Hello and welcome to 90% Hits, a podcast about the number one singles in Australia throughout the 90s. My name is Danny Yao and with me as usual is Tim Coyle. A licky boom boom down, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Casey Atkins. Yeah, I saw that one coming a mile off. <laughs> Hello. And down the line from the Gold Coast, Tim Byron. Ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy to you too, Tim Byron. This week we're going to discuss another five songs that charted at number one. We will be covering the period of the 3rd of April, 1993, and we will travel to July, so only a couple of months. We will start with one that was number one for six weeks, starting from April 1993, and this is Lenny Kravitz with Are You Gonna Go My Way? Lenny Kravitz with Are You Gonna Go My Way, number one for six weeks from April 3, 1993. Casey Atkins, why don't we start with you as our resident guitar player. Tell us how you feel about this song, but also how soon after hearing this song did you learn the riff? Minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was the song over? (laughs) Possibly not either. (laughs) Oh, what a fucking great song. I love it. I loved it then and it was... You know, again, if you look at my choices for the Choose Your Own Adventures that, you know, historically you get a bit of an idea of the type of music I was listening to and this was just all over it. I just absolutely loved it. I loved the rawness of it as well. Um, I loved the video clip. I loved him standing there with that flying V, Gibson. I loved that woman that was playing drums. It was really, really cool and awesome, um, really raw guitar sounds. This is one of those songs I've just never stopped liking. I listen to it all the time. We play it in my cover band. Um, and, I've, yeah, I've never stopped liking it. There's not a great deal to it, but it's just a brilliant riff. It's just a great old song. I've got not a lot else to say about uh, about it apart from the fact that I loved it then. And uh, it's not like some of the others where, you know, liked it then, didn't hear it for 20 years, listened to it and kind of dug it again. But I've just continued to like it for the uh, – for, for the whole 20 years in between. So that's me in this song. Yeah, if you learnt the guitar bit within minutes of hearing it, how, how long was it till you got the red jumpsuit? <laughs> um, well, we had to go to the shops. And... Yeah. Tim Coyle, what about you? Yeah, when I first heard this, I didn't like this song much, to be honest. Uh, I found it a little repetitive and... Uh, it's, no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I was listening for in, in songs at the time, which was very much development of melody and stuff like that, that wasn't happening here so much. This was all about the, the beat and the guitars. And I just wasn't in that uh, in that headspace. And then it wasn't on the charts and then I didn't really hear it again for close to 20 years. <laughs> and listening to it this week, I, I was in much more of a position to, to appreciate it. It's all those guitar tones and textures are great. And, yeah, just the attitude in his voice really sells it as well. And, yeah, I really enjoy it now. Tim Byron, what about you? I find myself sort of struggling to find anything in particular to say about it because it's just what it is. Yeah. Like um, Lenny Kravitz, like he's definitely not more than the sum of his parts. Like <laughs> he, he's, but he's got some pretty good parts there. Like um, 
I mean, like he's doing Jimi Hendrix here. Like it's such a Jimi Hendrix kind of riff. It's such a Jimi Hendrix kind of melody. The guitar solo is reasonably Jimi Hendrixy as far as guitar solos go. It's a pretty good Jimi Hendrix pastiche. The, the thing I, I noticed listening to it um, now is like just how awful the lyrics were. I'm just going to recite <laughs> the first four lines. I was born long ago. I am the chosen. I'm the one. I have come to save the day and I won't leave until I'm done. Excellent. The Easter egg, if you stay around, will be will be Tim Byron reading that with me dubbing Bark, sort of you know, underneath it. Just like, um. I, I want you. I want you to read that with the Bob Dylan voice on. <laughs> it was good. I was born long ago. I am the chosen. I'm the one. Did you think like the Wachowski brothers were sitting around and this came on the radio one day and they were like, "Holy crap, man!" <laughs> but yeah, like we're watching the video today and um, of this and um, with JD and she just sort of said at the screen and I quote because I wrote it down, stop wiggling your stupid dreads around. You're not Jimi Hendrix. Also, that stupid ring of lights coming down like a crown of thorns while you're doing the Jesus Christ pose. You're not Jesus either. <laughs> Danny, is Lenny Kravitz either Jesus or Jimi Hendrix? Uh well, he's definitely heard Jimi Hendrix. I think that comes across. <laughs> uh, you know, might have been uh, something he's come across. Look, it's a great bloody song. It's just a great, it is a perfect rock single. It is just perfect. Like the way it comes in, the film clip is part of it, mm-hmm. the image, the bravado. It doesn't say very much, which is, yeah, it's bravado. It says about as much as Cream says. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's great. It's his signature song. Those riffs, like... Oh, my God, it's so good. Uh, so, you know, listening to it this week and looking it up, I really would have thought that I would see credits for, like, produced by George Draculis yeah. or Chris Lord Alger or whatever, whatever that guy's name is, like those classic American rock producers, and it was produced by Lenny Kravitz. Oh, well. You know, yeah. he just had it down and he, like, seriously, you'd write this song and you'd be like, it's great. I've done everything I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I am a rock star. And, yeah, it's great. So, Lenny. Like, so, Casey, as the biggest fan, like, do you, do you have this record or did you just? No, nah, I didn't even. Um, I, I probably had it. I came up on a compilation or something that I that I had. I like Lenny Kravitz. Um, yeah, let me rephrase that. Lenny Kravitz is really hitting this for me. So, this is a, a definite hit. Um, it ain't over till it's over is a definite hit. Yeah, that's a great song. It's a song called uh, "Mama Said." The album's called "Mama yeah. Said." The song's called "Always on the Run." Am I right about that? Yeah, yeah always song. on the run. Okay. Always on the run. So that that's that's a beauty as well. Um, apart from that, I hated "Fly Away." Yeah, that song is just shit. That's just shitful. So, like, I certainly <laughs> wasn't a um a fan that liked everything, but just the ones that I liked, I liked, and this is. Probably up the up the top there, and he does perfect rock songs when he needs to. He does some shit ones when he wants to. Um, he's just one of those artists that if he's got something else that comes out, I'll have a listen, and I may or may not like it. He does some shit ones when he wants to. Well, he just wakes up in the morning. I think I'll write a shit song today. <laughs> <laughs> I cranked out a bit. I've written too out many. Are you going to go my? It's- I've written too many. Are you going to go my ways this week? I just have to do a shit one now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of shit ones, it's just like <laughs> American Woman is also really bad. I hate that version of American Woman. Kind of don't like the song American Woman. I like it's ironically written by a Canadian man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just this is ninety percent of Lenny Kravitz's career for me. This song, yeah, you know. I really um, liked Believe, which is also on this album, which was the kind of psychedelic-y oh, yeah. sort of pop song. It, it's got lyrics that are actually worse than lyrics for Are You Gonna Go My Way? Um, but it, it's got <laughs> if, that kind if of... If you want it, you got it. You just got to believe. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. like a Celine Dion kind of lyric or something. But, yeah, mm. I still love that for some reason. I'm going to be controversial here and say, it's not like Jimi Hendrix had that many great lyrics. Oh... That we'll, might save that for a different yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's cool. Let me stand next to your fire. Is about as cool as I was born long ago. And the bravado. It's bravado. It's all bravado lyrics. I'm just digging myself into a hole. Um, 
Yeah, but have you listened to Castles Made of Sand? Have you? Have you really? <laughs> Stay tuned for our upcoming uh, upcoming podcast where Casey hits Danny over the head with a chair for fifty minutes. No, I, I hit I hit Danny over the head with a burning Stratocaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will definitely write a, po- a blog post with as many photos as I can find of Lenny Kravitz's house. If you've not seen that, I it is that. the no. greatest bit of it is the greatest architecture you will ever see in your life. I thought you said, I thought you were going to say various fo- many photos of his haircuts, yeah. <laughs> years, which also it, been architectural achievements. Yeah. He's either he's either not understood the irony of a clockwork orange. I think is maybe the way to say it. it's it's very sort of well you can't really. It'll be on the blog. Yeah. <laughs> I was caught myself in the situation. Of he's a, he's a rock star called Lenny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we haven't covered that. Are <laughs> there other rock stars called Lenny? <laughs> yeah, it does make me think of Lenny from The Simpsons. Lenny. Yeah, exactly. There's Lemmy. The Lemmy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think the last time I saw Kravitz was in The Hunger Games. Did anyone see that no, movie? I did not see it. He was starring in that. So, and he was kind of cool. You was know? he hungry? He's just. Who was Lenny? No, he wasn't hungry. Was he um, playing games? <laughs> Whenever you oh, sorry, I, I don't get the movie. <laughs> we move on to our second song of tonight, and this song was number one for two weeks in May of 1993, and this is Faith No More with Easy. Faith No More with Easy, number one for two weeks in May of 1993. Tim Byron, why don't you start? What do you feel about Easy by Faith No More? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) So... So yeah, so easy. Um, Casey's talked about how better um, by the Screaming Jets was like a song that everyone would play in the band room in high school. And for us, this is easy because it's a pretty easy song to play. And um, it's got that nice sort of piano <laughs> rhythm. There's a nice bit for the guitar player. The drummer can sort of do little kind of funky little bits and the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun kind of bits and stuff. So, yeah, it's a song that um, that I've played uh, quite a few times in a high school band room because uh, it, it's fun and it's a fun song. And, yeah, this is a pretty fine song when Lionel Richie and, the, and his Commodores did it in the 1970s and Faith No More do a pretty faithful cover as far as things go. Um, apart from the, the, there's some sort of irony there. I'm not entirely sure what it is. I think what they were trying to do was that they kind of hated being pigeonholed as like funk metal dudes, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they were trying to prove that, no, we can do whatever we want, man. I'm sure Mike Patton felt that kind of thing because he's obviously like a genre explorer these days the way Elvis Costello is. But yeah, I think this is great. It's basically a metal band doing a, a ballad. And it kind of makes sense that like if you're going to be a funk metal band, you're going to do a kind of funky ballad, which this kind of is. So, yeah, I thought this was great at the time and listening to it now, I don't know that it's better than the Commodore's version, which is great in its own way, but it's, yeah, it's a nice cover. I'm happy to listen to it. Tim Kyle? Yeah, I, re- I really liked it at the time. It, it was one of those ones where, where we've spoken of where it was number one. For, how, how long was it number one? Only two weeks. Only two weeks. It was at least in the charts for so long that mm. I, I heard it so many times that, at the end of that, I was just like, oh, this again? 
kind of thing. But yeah, I really liked it. Um, and yeah, that this was the same band that did Epic. Yeah. was completely mind blowing. And that this was this same guy who sang Epic on this is part of why this song is released. I think is, is a little bit of a vehicle for Mike Patton as a singer, because if you're doing that funk metal, thing it's not necessarily going to show off your uh, your vocal abilities whereas this song mm. definitely is and he does have a great voice and it's showcased really well here so did you know the song did you know the original uh i did but i didn't know it was lionel richie i, I knew the song but i didn't know the specifics about it then listening to it again this week it's it's super smooth and yeah, just a really good cover of a really good song. Casey Atkins. Yeah, no arguments here. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? It's just um, I, I certainly loved it. I, I absolutely did. Again, same as, as Tim Coyle, I was surprised. Like, this is those guys? Is it the same singer? Have they got a different singer? Because, you know, he sings it in a different part of his, um, mm-hmm. his throat, definitely. Yeah. Um, and he sings it beautifully well. Um, my biggest memory of it at the time was that, you know, what you alluded to, Byron, was that, ew, which I just <laughs> thought was hilarious. Um, I didn't know the original at all. This was the, the first time I heard the song. Yeah, I'm not sure I did either. Yeah. And these days as well, um, and this is another one of those songs that I've heard just hundreds of times since both versions and they're actually really close to each other Mm. um and there's times where that piano riff will start and you you don't know which version (laughs) you're listening to until you know until the drums and the vocals kick in you know depending on uh, you know, how far away the speakers are from you, like which one's this going to be? Oh, okay, it's that one. Okay, yeah, cool. And either, <laughs> and either one I'm very happy to listen to for whatever reason. I like the fact that the guitar solo is really faithful to the original guitar solo as well. I mean, it's it's dirtier and it's a real, like, Gibson through a Marshall stack tone, but it's pretty much the same solo and it's um, and it's a great guitar solo. But, yeah, I just think it's, it's really good. And another song that I saw performed on Hey Hey Saturday. In fact, they all performed this on Hey Eight Saturday. They did. Oh, they mind it. That's one they for the mind plug. It. Yep. Did Daryl get up on the drums? <laughs> um, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, well, for me, so I've said on this blog before that Faith No More, for me, are one of the greatest bands of the 90s. Like, they just were so influential for me, and I love them so much. And, and this was the point where I started loving them. Right. It was right. this album, Angel Dust, and it was uh, We Care A Lot was kind of a bit weird and weird and hippish and you know fusion funk has a lot to blame on that first record the existence of paul reed smith guitars um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah this song was so great and yeah i don't know if i heard the, the original before and yeah i'd listened it still comes on my ipod all the time i kind of probably just out of nostalgia like this version more like it's yeah. a, it's a bit weird to hear the Lionel Richie version for me or the Commodores version for me, um, and yeah, like everyone else, I just know every ill yeah, every yeah. like it just it's so familiar and, and lovely. And so yeah, so the story of the song is that they recorded it as a B side, and they oh, okay. but mainly because they used to do it live. So they did this live during the We Care a Lot tour. So when they were out promoting Epic, they were still doing this song, and it's one of those things where. I didn't realise about the band and um, and I love them because I don't think we're going to get a chance to talk about them again. No. But it's weird to say things like Faith No More was my introduction to Burt Bacharach <laughs> because they done because they did a, just sounds just as good as this beautiful version of uh, This Guy's In Love With You and it was a B-side and that's it. It just sounded like this with Mike Patton. He's beautiful voice and he sings it low and then he gets to the high of, I need your love. And it's just like the most dramatic, beautiful version of this song. And they do that with, like they did Peaches and Herbs Reunited. They did all these sort of souls. I started a joke. When they went. Yeah, I started a joke. Their version of I started a joke is amazing as well. So they had that side of them and they used to test their audiences. And- well, was this the point where they were kind of... I mean, they probably all knew that Mike Patton was as good a singer as he was, but where they were placing a lot more emphasis on his ability as a singer instead of just doing the the funk metal thing of letting him 
stretch sure. his legs a bit. But I think it's also the band just had the freedom to do whatever they wanted. <laughs> like it wasn't even we had to escape one cage. Is that there's just we basically have sold enough and we have this guy who's so insane and we can do the fastest song. Like they've written some of the fastest songs I have on my iPod and they've written evidence, you know, they just like can do whatever the hell they want. I mean, the B-side to this, um, looking at the, the charts website we look at, the B-side to this is a song called Be Aggressive, which um, the key, oh, yeah. the keyboard player wrote. There's a double A side, I think. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it, yeah. So Be Aggressive is um, a song written by the keyboard player um, about how much he loved Valatio. And so he, he thought it was hilariously <laughs> funny to get um, a straight man like Mike Patton to to sing this song that, like, has a, a chorus which is, like, I swallow, I swallow, I swallow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's uh, That's another thing. I mean, they had an openly gay guy in the band that was so diverse. They were just kind of crazy and lovely and, yeah, so much to get into when it comes to this band. So, yeah, I love this song so much. And, yeah, I'm not sure there's anything else to say about Faith No More. We've covered a, a lot of ground. It's a beauty on karaoke, this song as well. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> a corker. It's so much fun. So, yeah, Faith No More around this time. Tim Byron, what did you think of them? Because I know you love them as well. I don't really remember Epic from 1990, but I definitely remember the, remember Easy. And so I remember liking that at the time, but it was probably from the album after this that I got into them, King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. And I um, really loved uh, Evidence and Digging the Grave was just this great kind of rock song that like, I was just digging in 95, 96 because I discovered like the joy of loud guitars and loud drums at that point. And I was like, yes, rock music, ah, because um, hormones had started <laughs> happening by that point. So um, that album is sort of my sentimental favourite, even though it was a complete flop everywhere, apparently. Um, the and Ashes to Ashes has got a good kind of riff to it. That kind of dun 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 dun. dun, dun. And yeah, that, that's a great that little album. Riff. Album of the year was great. Was great. Was so. it your album of the year, Danny? <laughs> or did that come out the same no. year as Ali Daly or something? Uh, it probably came out the same year as Number Four Record. But um, I do remember thinking that is an awesome name for an album. Like it's just <laughs> so so them just aggressive in itself. Yeah, just that kind of like yeah. sarcasm of like we're going to call an album album of the year because you know we're worth it. That- <laughs> <laughs> but that brings us to our third song of tonight. This song was number one for just one week in 1993, and this is Janet Jackson with "That's the Way Love Goes." Like a moth to a flame burned by the fire My love is blind, can't you see my desire? That's the way love goes Janet Jackson with That's The Way Love Goes, number one for one week uh, on the 29th of May, 1993. Tim Coyle, we haven't started with you tonight. Is this the way that love goes for you? Mm, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Janet Jackson had yeah. reached her real peak of popularity a couple of years before this um, 
and had a couple of huge singles without necessarily making it to number one. And she was still pretty much riding on the wave of this, of that, and coming into this song. And look, I'd liked quite a few of those singles earlier in the 90s. Uh, Love Will Never Do is a really good song. And yeah, this was just really boring. Uh, I remember thinking it was really, really boring when I, I saw it on Rage of a Saturday morning. And my opinion hasn't changed a whole lot about it now. There's something nice about that beat, but it just doesn't go anywhere with it. And, yeah, there's just there's nothing sexy about it, even though that's what it's trying to do. And, yeah, a couple of the... You don't think that's sexy? I'm just holding up the album cover. <laughs> yeah, but this song, isn't, this song isn't the album cover. It's... <laughs> I think it wants to be the album cover, but yeah, it's just such a meandering, go nowhere song for me. And yeah, it's it's a bit of a dud. And yeah, shame on you, Australia, for getting this to number one. <laughs> uh, Casey Atkins, what about you? Uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> um... I guess, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, I, I certainly didn't like it then at all, and I didn't like this kind of music back then anyway. And then when I had um, Are You Gonna Go My Way for a couple of weeks, and then I had Easy by Faith No More for a couple of weeks, and then this shit turned up. I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> um, you used to be cool. Yeah, <laughs> you used to be cool, TV. What happened? <laughs> Rage at, uh, you know, ABC at 8.55 on a Saturday morning. You used to rule. Um, yeah, it's just so... What I can't stand about it, and especially listening to it now, is um, she's her vocal is just so lazy and it mm. doesn't go anywhere or do anything. I don't get any soul out of it. I don't get any feeling out of it. It's kind of, funnily enough, it's, it's trying to do that trip hop. Thing, yeah, I guess, probably, I guess it is. Yeah, and that's kind of with the... <laughs> and that's not going to sell Casey. <laughs> <Yeah, no, no, laughs> and trip-hop, yeah! It's, it's sort of that trip-hop kind of thing, and it has the lazy kind of stoned vocal yeah. style. But, yeah. But, um... Oh, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, so lazy, not engaging, boring, and to this day, I still haven't figured out where the... Well, how the fuck love goes. <laughs> it doesn't explain it. It says it. It says that's the way love goes. What's the way love goes? I don't... <clears throat> that's the way. It's rhetorical. That's the way? Yeah. Tim fuck Bob. you with your rhetorical. I kind of figured that you guys wouldn't like it that much, but I actually quite like this song. Um, I don't understand really? why it was a number one. Like, I listen to it and think there's just not enough hooks in it and it's just kind of... Um, like a, a bit too sort of like laid back to sound like a number one. So I don't, I don't know why it was a number one apart from the, just that Jeanette Jackson was huge. Um, like you guys, I do like um, some of her other stuff better. Like, um, you know, what have you done for me lately or nasty or black cat? Uh, they're better songs than this and then sort of more fun and up, but yeah, I don't mind this kind of sort of laid back kind of beats to it. I, I like trip hop. So um, yeah, uh, I think this is reasonably good. I, I like the sound of it. Um, I don't think I liked it that much at the time. I don't think I paid much attention to it at the time. But coming back to it, perhaps I had fresher ears or something and listened to it. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. It's better than, like, some of the shit from last week. Oh, yeah. I get that. Remind me. What was this? Oh, friggin', um Oh, Achy Breaky Heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, compared to Achy Breaky Heart, this know, is like Bart's yeah. Fifth Symphony. <laughs> Um, so, I don't know. so yeah, I, I think um, achy breaky heart. I could come in here with a dentist drill, hold that up to the microphone, and we could release that as a single, and it would still be better. Yeah, I don't like achy breaky heart more than this song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I do too. Achy breaky heart. This is fun. Yeah, but yeah, um, this one has like I was listening to it, and I was surprised at some of the lyrics, um, which I might read out, and Danny can put uh, bark over it again. Uh, come closer. <laughs> Baby closer, reach out and feel my body. I'm going to give you all my love. Oh, sugar, don't you hurry. You've got me here all night. Just close your eyes and hold on tight. Ooh, baby, don't stop. Don't stop. Go deeper. Baby, deeper. 
you feel so good. I'm going to cry. Ooh, I'm going to take you there. <laughs> That's the way love goes, Tim um, Coyle. That's so, the way love so, goes. So, what you- no, Casey was asking what the way love goes was. So I don't understand. You'll have to explain to me what she's talking about. <laughs> I think um, I think they're digging a hole somewhere. <laughs> okay, so for me... Um, you like was, it more? You like it less than "Achy Break Your Heart"? We've yeah. established that so far. I, I don't think this is a very good song at all. Um, I really like Janet Jackson leading up to this. For me, the year before she released her the best song that she was ever appeared on, which was "The Best Things in Life for Free," which is so upbeat and fun, and <laughs> you, know, you know, you are my baby, my baby, baby, baby. And then there's a "You Sing It Twice, I'll Sing It Thrice," and then he goes, "My baby, baby, baby." It's very clever, um, but. <laughs> Anyway, so well, you were, you were this eleven is, at the time when that came out, right? Yeah. So Janet, the album where so if, this is a famous album cover when you folded it out, and it was the cover of the Rolling Stone where someone's holding her boobs mm-hmm. from behind, um, and it is, I think, the first of a genre of albums that when a teen pop girl tries to go sexy, and it that always fails for me for some reason like when jewel did that sexy album and licky lee recently tried to sing about being your prostitute and it's just like but miley cyrus will end up releasing something like this in fact she just did leanne rhymes yeah. ended up doing it leanne you know a couple it, yeah. of years later and stuff on like that and take hey, gf4 um <laughs> but yeah how so could, how could we forget so yeah so i guess maybe i was still like 12 13 at this point and that stopped making sense to me because i just wanted Another Rhythm Nation. I just wanted more songs like Miss You Much and Escapade and mm. all that stuff and Best Things in Life for Free. And she was Michael Jackson's younger sister. She was like writing fun pop songs. And this is when she started getting really into slow jams, heavy R&B stuff, and it just went m- way worse in um, The Velvet Rope, which is just like... <laughs> So long and boring album. So is the, is the Velvet Rope the one that had that big yellow taxi thing on it? Yeah. Got to look go yes. on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, God. <laughs> yeah, so that was like 97 or something. That was well into my teenage years. And by then I'd just gotten so far away. But I do just, I guess for me, I remember when that Rhythm Nation album came out. Do you, do you guys remember the album cover of that? She was kind of wearing the corner. Yeah. 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 yeah, black and white. Yeah, you mentioned it, yeah. So that was her sort of not becoming a kid sort of artist anymore and going, yeah, I'm, I'm a cool modern girl, and then um, wrote, yeah, Escapade is such a great song and for me. Well, her, and then, her album before that, Control, that's her not being a kid album. Like That's called What Have You Done For Me Lately. Yes, that's true. And, um, and, Black, and Black Cat and the other stuff from like Rhythm Nation are kind of like just sort of drumming that in. And so like she'd sort of become the serious kind of quite conservative but credible yeah. artist. And I think what she was trying to do with um, this album was to go the, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a woman kind of thing and like, you know, deeper, deeper. You're going to make me cry, you know. That kind of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, I don't know. I guess I wasn't really the age for it, but it just, I've never, and I think I do remember this song just going, oh, this is a bit more boring than what I expect from her. And, yeah, and then I've never really gone back to Janet Jackson since. I mean, I think it's the kind I of, mean, I think it's the kind of number one where it was a number one because of the name more than the song. And the controversy around that cover, I remember quite clearly and you know and yeah god actually just reminded me that yeah she was obviously involved in the wardrobe malfunction yes you know it's it's funny with that wardrobe malfunction thing because i remember that i actually watched the super bowl live the only time i've ever watched the super bowl um i think i had to be studying for a uni thing or something and i was trying to avoid it so i turned on the tv and sbs was playing it and they were doing the um that um, they were doing the halftime at the Super Bowl thing. And so I was watching it and thinking, wow, this dancing with Justin Timberlake that she's doing is really racy. Like, I remember, like, looking at it and thinking, wow, this is weirdly sexual for, like, halftime at a sports event. And um, and when the, the nipple gate thing happened, like, it was, like, half a second. And, and I remember looking at it and thinking, was that a nipple? And then not thinking about it. <laughs> like, I, I was more concerned by all the, like, the, the sexy dancing before that. And when it became the big um, controversy, I was like, Really? Yeah, you know, I remember being surprised yeah. <laughs> because, like, that it was about the nipple and not the, you know, incredibly sexual dancing. It is definitely, like, I mean, no one believes that that was an accident. Did we? I did for 
Let's get on with our fourth song of tonight. Oh, this can song was number one for five weeks from mm. the 5th of June, 1993. You know it was. <laughs> this song <laughs> is Snow with Informer. Hey, yo, Running up on the block, you know what I'm saying? Yo, Snow, they came around looking for you the other day. Word, word, bust it. Informer, you know, say that I'm a stormy, I go blam. I leaky bum bum down. Take the man that says that I'm a stormy, stab somebody down the lane. I leaky bum bum down. Informer. So that was Informer by Snow, number one for five weeks. Doesn't that seem like that's too short for how much this song has implanted itself onto popular culture? Well, who do we even want? Tim Byron, just kick this off. What have you got to say about Informer? Yeah, I, I loved this at the time in, in 1993. I remember listening to it and just being amazed at how fast this guy was rapping. I was like, how's he doing that? No. And um, you know, I look back and I realised the way that he was doing, like the reason he was rapping so fast was because he was just rapping bullshit syllables that made no sense whatsoever. Um, so he didn't have to think about meaning. He'd be like, and how? Like, what is a licky boom boom down? What? What is this thing? <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, that's what we're going to get to the bottom of. Indeed. <laughs> what isn't it? And um, <laughs> it's life, Danny. It's life, um, as um, Desiree would say. <laughs> it's Marbo. It's, it's the five. <laughs> but um, <laughs> D, all of the above. But the thing I think listening to this song is that, um, like, this song is so much about the sound of syllables and the sound of different kind of sound, like the sound of different consonants and vowels and how they work. And it reminds me of um, the, reading the Keith Richards book, uh, Life. He talks about vowel movements and like and reckons that the, the sort of the way <laughs> he that... He does too, yeah. The way that the... Um, vowel movements? Yeah, vowel with a V. <laughs> that, is, that is the quote. <laughs> um, that's what he likes to call it. And that's a very Keith Richards kind of thing to say. But like what he's trying to explain with that is it's... A lot of what makes a song catchy or good has got to do with the way that the vowels and, and the sounds in, in the words uh, fit the melody. And this song um, is a bunch of nonsense, but it gets that down pat. Like, I can't imagine a different word that works just as well as, like, informer um, in that particular melody in this particular song. Like, informer. It's just something about the ma that kind of sounds, it's the right thing for that melody at that particular point. That particular M sound just works there. And um, we were trying to think of other words that would fit there today, uh, me and JD. And I had a lamb korma for dinner. So it was like, lamb korma. <laughs> and that would work just as well because it's got the ma. So, um, you know, other things like Tim Coyle. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's one of those songs like where the sound of the words is why it's catchy. And I don't quite understand how that works, but it just does. And that's the most analysis that song has ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like... There's quite a few songs that um, I have given the most analysis to that anyone has ever given to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. Mm. That is true. Tim Coyle, what about you? I'm going to be in a minority of one here. I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, I don't like what? It. So, yeah, I, th- I think there was, there was a thing at the time where, yes, the athletic prowess of being able to cram that many words in to a song and actually having some degree of flow with it was impressive, but yeah, it made no sense. It was really ADHD made song. (laughs) It's just so distracted and distracting and yeah, I couldn't keep up with it. I'm kind of, (laughs) yeah, you know, uh, as 
a lot of episodes of this podcast have revealed my pace is very much the Eeyore-ish pace. <laughs> <laughs> and this is way too too quick and what have it what have you for me. And listening to it this week, it's like, yeah, it's gibberish. I get what Tim Byron's saying is that there's something linguistically interesting going on there. But yeah, I don't really listen to to songs to enjoy them on that level. So yeah, I just kind of find it a little bit of a distracted mess in that way. Casey Atkins. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those five glorious weeks in 1993. Um, I, I loved it so much. And the biggest, the biggest thing for me was just this enigma about what he was singing. Like what were the words? Um, and it was like who killed Mary. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's even less clear. (laughs) Who killed Mary? Um, and I think Tim Byron, you've alluded to um, Smash Hits magazine on this show before, yeah. and I-, I used to buy Smash Hits magazine. I used to buy TV Hits magazine, and there was also a magazine called Hit Song Words. And in all of those, they had these um, these sections in the middle every month that had lyrics mm. to like songs that were hits. And when I kind of remember which one of them, I think it was actually TV Hits had the lyrics to Informer in it and that was a big fucking deal it's like this month's tv hits has actually got the words <laughs> and it was really dis- and it was really disappointing because of course the the words don't really sound like what he's actually seeing because as as you said he just throws in extra syllables here and there so it doesn't actually show you what he's seeing but still you got the story out of it um, and listening to, oh man, I listened to it over and over and over again this week and I loved it. Really? Yep. Still hasn't dated for you. Well, it's dated. But nostalgic. It's dated, but, but, but on that nostalgic it's, level. It's it taking just... it back to a place he wants to be. But it's got, yeah. it's got good beats How... and like the, the horn section in it is great and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it's just fun to listen to. I agree there. <sighs> and this, and I'm going to put this out there of all of the songs we have listened to as part of this project this is the best rap interlude by far from MC Shan that comes in at the end. <laughs> it is my favourite that we've heard so far. Right. That the way that it ends, like Shan won't turn informer at the end, how it just kind of trails off and how it yeah, finishes that. Yeah. So much better. I will, I will put that over I'm not going to spend my life being a colour any Ooh, day. Ooh, that's close. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Danielle. Take that, Colkin. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of Macaulay Colkin beating up in this podcast. Really, isn't it? <laughs> Poor guy. Um, I didn't really like this song growing up. <laughs> it really just didn't connect with me. I, I think for me the indecipherableness of the story made me just ignore it. Like I didn't understand what was going on, so I moved on. Um, yeah, and, no, I, I needed to find out what was going on. Yeah, yeah. I didn't figure there was much there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were right. I do remember buying a Smash Hits magazine with the lyrics and, and seeing that it was Detective Manson, he's like someone down the lane, and clearly remember going, I'm I'm listening to the song, I'm reading it, and that still doesn't fit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. What? And like, is he just talking crap and then someone just retrofitting words that could possibly like make sense in the song because you would not know. Well, I mean, Michael Stipe said he did the same thing with, say, the lyrics from Murmur, yeah. which he never wrote down. Yeah. He just sang them. <laughs> Whatever came out, came out. And then when people were clamouring for lyrics and stuff or he had to sing them again live 20 yeah. years later, he wrote them down and listened to them himself and was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that Snow is sort of doing here is he's trying to put on that kind of Jamaican patois. Oh, no, he grew up amongst, um, within a uh, community of Jamaican immigrants. He grew in up Canada. in the ghetto. Did you listen to the song? <laughs> in Toronto. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> well, I listened to it, but... I- yeah, it's just funny looking at the video clip. Like, he just does not look like the guy who sings that stuff. Like, he's like blonde haired, like has these stupid glasses and he looks like a nerd and he just doesn't look like the guy who would sing about informers and how the police are going to try and bust him and shit like that. He doesn't look like that guy. But he, he, he stabbed had, someone down the lane. But he had been in jail. Back. Had he? <laughs> he had been in jail. No, he yeah. had. He, he, <laughs> really? had. he yeah. was convicted of assault. Um, oh, really? And informer was what he recorded with DJ Shan 
when he was released. It wasn't. It wasn't a crime of fashion. Wow. Because um, <laughs> he did look like a member of Colour Me Bad. Yeah, I just. I don't know. It just. He was such. Sorry, second rate, and we don't know. Any, like, do we know anything else about him? I read his wiki page today, but apart from that. So, were you also surprised that he has not only released six albums, but released a new single, several new singles in 2009? What, what I was surprised about was <laughs> that it's um, when, you know, when you look at somebody's thing on, um, you know, their quick bio on Wikipedia and it says, you know, active years, and when it said like 1992 till present, I was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, this hasn't been updated since 1992. <laughs> yeah. He goes on there and changes that every day. Yeah. Um, I, ju- I just figured he'd like featured on the grassy or something and got yeah, beaten right. up and never emerged to see the light of day again. Mm. Did anyone get this album? Uh, this <laughs> 12 Inches of Snow. Yeah. I remember hearing that and going, that's hilarious. That is pretty good. Yeah. But the, the reason that, I mean, he's called Snow because he grew up in a, mm. um, a kind of black ghetto neighbourhood. I think people, he was the people white would boy. call him Snow White. white. Yeah. Yeah. We read the same article. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, look, I'm trying, I'm trying to really find something serious to think about. I just think this song is ridiculous and I think the, the man is ridiculous and it, it is part of the appeal, right? It's just yeah, yeah, definitely. It's silly fun, right? Like I remember listening to it and thinking this is a one-hit wonder. Like, even at the time, like, I knew this was going to be a one-hit wonder, and it was. And you were right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were very, very right. But it's... So, not... Um, what was that? Was that other one? Girl I've Been Hurt? Was that the... Was that him? Yeah. His follow-up single? Yeah, Girl I've Been Hurt or yeah. something like that. That was... That one was... How's that guy? Fucking awful. Um, girl I've Been Hurt. Oh, that's... Yeah. <laughs> we'll post it on the blog. Um... Can anyone sing this fast? Boom, boom down. He probably said it a couple of times. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. That's just how he finished sentences. That's actually a full stop for him. <laughs> that's, that's what it means. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on from Snow uh, and his informing ways uh, to our last song of tonight. This song was number one for seven weeks. Oh, God. Really? From the 10th of July, 1993, this is UB40 with Open brackets, I can't help, close brackets, falling in love with you. with I Can't Help Falling In Love With You, number one for a remarkable seven weeks. Casey Atkins, how about we start with you again? Pass. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I really like Elvis, so mm-hmm. this just offends me, you know. It's just a... Did you know the original? Uh, at that stage, I probably did, yeah. Um I don't even remember this particularly well as um, being a huge hit. I, I certainly know the version and it's been played a lot since for some fucking reason. Um, but I, you know, it's just... Bleh. I listened to it a couple of times this week and um, so many different things about it piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> So many things. The, <laughs> so I'll stick to one. 
in, you know, we'll... we'll I thought this was going to be like Luther's theses on the door of... It could be. <laughs> or George Carlin's <laughs> seven words you can't say on television yeah. and you'll use one of them for each of the things you hate about it. Uh, yeah, seven words you can't say on television, you can say every single one of them on a podcast. <laughs> um, the one thing, if we forget about the fact that I don't really like reggae anyway... Um, the fact that his voice is just that, but the bass part where I don't know if that stuck with anybody when you were listening to it, but there was, there's, there's this thing that the bass part is trying to do to try to be clever, which is to play the same figure, the exact same notes over about three or four different chords. And it thinks it's being so fucking clever, but it's not. It's being awful. And change with the chords, you stupid bass player or keyboard player or whoever it is playing that bass part. That's it for me. That's a negative then from Casey. <laughs> uh, Tim Byron, what about you? Um, listening to this today in the car, um, driving with JD, um, we, we put this one on and she said... You, you had a crash? Uh, no, she said um, she, she should be on this podcast, really, because she's funnier than I am. Um, she said, I want to punch the Australian public seven times in the face, one for each week that this is in, at number one. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing she said was that when, when he sings, in her mind, the mental image she gets is like of a frog on a lily pad and the frog singing this and none of the other animals around are interested at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So, um, so do you have a least favourite moment in this song? Um, you, you know what? Listening to this, I, um, I looked at it on the list of things I'd have to listen to and I was like, this is going to be crap. Um, this is not going to be good. And you know what? I listened to it and I was like, I thought that was going to be worse. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I listened to it and I was <laughs> like, um, you know, it's just kind of forgettable and bad. It's bad, but it's just like forgettable and doesn't really do anything. And it's just kind of, I know why you've, the reason they keep playing it on radio is it's that kind of radio song that like is just kind of inoffensive and nothing and boring and people kind of know the song. So it's fine. I mean, like, you know, the original by Elvis is like a a work of art. It's just a beautiful kind of, you know, I mean, the thing is as a song, it's brilliant. It's a, it's one of the most brilliant oh, Elvis ballads that there is, and it's just got that kind of Hank Williams kind of song kind of thing where where there is no other way that you could say the the emotions and the sentiments in this song than the way they say it. Like you, you could do it, but you would be like adding so many words so, to to say all the stuff in this song and say it the way that you do in so little word in so few words is just like a work of genius. This is that kind of Hank Williamsy kind of genius. And so it's a great song, and so I listen to it, and part of me is like, yeah, not a great version, but part of me is like, it's a great song. And, yeah, it's not a great version. And um, But, yeah, I was surprised by how... Um, yeah, I was surprised by how little I hated it compared to how much I thought I'd hate it. Um, I should hate it. I, I don't like the idea of it. UB40 covering this song is kind of nails down the chalkboard kind of stuff. But to me, somehow, it's, it's okay. Tim? Look, I love Elvis. I think uh, there's a pretty famous passage that was written by Robert Christogu of how Elvis is pretty much the greatest balladeer in the history of everything and for once Robert Christogu was right. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, like, and this is one of the greatest Elvis ballads that was ever done, ever written and performed, and that's saying something because there's a hell of a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the, the original is such an amazing, amazing song. And probably, I think as Casey said, there are so many things wrong and offensive about this song, but <laughs> the most egregious <laughs> one is just that, Tonally, it is so wrong. It's turning it into this jaunty, upbeat kind of thing, and it's just like, no, no! Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, this is kind of meant to be stirring slow and a, a little bit of a slow burner. Um, but, yeah, it's just oh, peppy and ugh. Um, and, yeah, I didn't really like it as a kid it's ub40 isn't something that was aimed at 
um, 12 or 13 year old boys. So yeah, it didn't resonate with me. It wasn't meant to, but yeah, as an adult, I think where I was just, I didn't like it, but was mostly indifferent to it these days. Yeah. This was very much nails down chalkboard. Could not stand to listen to it. I, I've, kind of got to admit I did not listen to it all the way through. It, <laughs> it angered me that much. <laughs> yeah, this song is just a crime, isn't it? It's um yeah. so I have a couple of things to say about this. One is uh it's, it's a phrase that I attribute to my friend Trish who might one day come across this podcast who told me once that oh yeah, reggae. I quite like that song. And um <laughs> it's just this thing where every UP forty song just sounds the fucking same. Uh and that song is terrible. Uh, his voice, his voice, God, I hate his voice. Um, Ali Campbell is the singer, and I actually worked on an Ali Campbell solo record. How was that for you? It was actually, you know what, here's the story. It wasn't bad because I figured, like, in this world, I figured out why he was releasing a solo album. It's because he quit the band because he hated everyone. They were spending all their money, and they were six months from going broke. And six months after we left the band, they declared bankruptcy. And he got out of it. And it was the cleverest movie he ever made and because he just went, everyone else is pissing things up the wall and they will, like, they won't have anything but back to live on. They'll go back to working at, you know, Sainsbury's after this. And they probably do. So, <laughs> hilarious. Um, and, all, and all their big hits were covers. So yeah, exactly. They no made no money. money. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and this is, this is the thing. They made a habit of butchering. Mm. Um I got you, babe. Yeah, yeah. I got you, babe. Oh, God. Many rivers, many rivers to cross. Yeah. Um, but, and then this song, this is just one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Uh, to the point where, uh, you know, I was in a situation where, where um, we had to sort of perform in a gig since, since sort of the greatest love songs of all time. A friend of ours, Paul Andrews, did uh, something by George Harrison and I did this song. Right. Because I just think it is. It's just one of the most purest, beautiful and just the simplicity of the lyrics, the Hank Williams thing, like you mentioned, Tim Byron, like that, um, yeah, that middle eight, well, not middle eight, what would you call it, the bridge? The, the, the Like the River Flows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is just a universal image. It's one of those great songs that, you know, I put in the basket of an eight-year-old and an 80-year-old can fall yeah. in love with. Yeah. You know, it's just universal in every sense. So, but not this version. <laughs> it's just like... It misses... I mean, Tim Coyle's right. It just... It misses the point. It misses oh, the... Um, the the soul. It misses... It just completely misses the mark. Of the they could song. have done it to any other song. They could have done it to any song. Yeah. You know? They could have done it to Bohemian Rhapsody. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, they would have given half a chance. Yeah. So... Um, but I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, an awful band, and I'm really glad that they are... Uh, don't have a job, essentially. Well, they were talking about the covers, in a way, they were basically the reggae me first and the gimme gimmies. Yeah. Or the reggae yeah, Pat yeah, Boone. Yeah, without, the, without an well, ounce yeah, of yeah. humour, that's the thing. Me first and the gimme gimmies have that yeah, one no, gag that they do, but they've got this sense of humour. These guys are yeah. just kind of earnest. I don't know. That said, there is one thing that I will always give UB40 credit for, and it's the sense of humour thing, which is their first album cover. Which is just the unemployment form of Britain. Which well, is that's the, the code. Yeah. The code is the UB40. Which I just always see that and I go, okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah. You know, when you're, when, you know, they just. So they started well, I don't know, went down. Well, yeah, I, but, and they ended up back where they started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how bad must it be to be a member of UB40 and having to ask for the UB40 form <laughs> to sign on for the doll? So. Yeah, uh, I'm here for my UB40. What was your job? Well, I was in UB40. <laughs> <laughs> You've been making fun of us. Get out. <laughs> like one of the things that confuses me about 1993 is that reggae was just huge in 1993. Like it was, there were so many reggae songs in the charts. Like what the last week that this was net number one, I, I looked through the, the top 40, and other songs that were in the charts at the same time include Sweat, a la 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 long. And Bad Boys yeah. by Inner Circle. Informer, obviously, mm-hmm. which has its reggae moments. Tease Me by Chuck Ademus and Pliers. Mm-hmm. And Oh Carolina by Shaggy. By Shaggy. Yeah. So, so 1993 so was, was just... A, it was a thing at the yeah, time. Yeah. Reggae was just right massive. Reggae. And white people reggae too, of all things. Did we like any of those songs? Of that lot? I mean, I liked Informer, obviously. Yeah. Um, Inner Circle are okay. 
Inner Circle Sweat was is one of the worst songs. It's just one of the most uncomfortable listens, and it's kind of just. I don't know. I mean, the only thing about that song is that just you can just make that joke about long, 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 long schlong, and then it's just. (laughs) Yeah, but UB forties. I can't help falling in love with you. Was on the soundtrack itself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was it? What was 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 Sliver? Sliver, which was a Sharon Stone vehicle, because Sharon Stone was huge at the time. Uh, Was it William Baldwin? Yeah, one of the bald ones. I can't remember. But like, <laughs> yeah. it was a bald one. A bald one. <laughs> and and yeah, like <laughs> a non a non Alec bald one. And that, I think Sliver's a pretty creepy kind of movie about like people surveilling other people with like hidden cameras and shit like that. It's um, it, it's a kind of creepy movie. And so like, it, I think probably what this was, why this was a big number one, was it was the tie-in with the movie. The video clip for it has um. Lots of scenes from Sliver and lots of like surveillance footage and all that kind of stuff. And I think like it gave the song um, like a sort of a bit of a creepy kind of weird thing to the people who'd seen the movie. Like I can't help right. falling in love. Like it, it's like the it brings out the kind of obsessive weirdness of the lyric, and that must have been something that made people enjoy this version of this song if they'd seen that movie, which must have been big in a certain demographic or something. So that maybe that's why it got to number yeah, one. Yeah. You, you, that might be a reach. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how much thought went into someone going into a record store. Oh, UB40. Yes, the, the that reminds me of the creepiness of Sliver and the concept of surveillance in our postmodern world. <laughs> well, look, can, well, I, can I ask one question of everybody? No. Um, just, just to end it on a nice note, what's your favourite Elvis song? Ooh. Uh, well, I would say it, it, I've already said it is this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's amazing if I if I had to choose another. I really love or sugar. Cool. There's something really cool. just joyous about it. It's just one of the most joyous that when he starts that bless of my soul was yeah, yeah. like it's just mm. he it was just a pure moment of joy. So for me, so I love that song. Byron? I think for me, um Elvis's version of Fever. Ah, nice. Which is it's just it's just so minimalist yeah. and so kind of like um this, this I just love Elvis being minimal and so I love that and I love Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, there's so many for me. Uh, Tim mentioned Heartbreak Hotel, which mm. I love, but Suspicious Minds. Great Good song. God, Suspicious yeah, okay. Minds. <laughs> I'd have to think about that yeah, one I was, too. I was, I was gonna. Yeah, I was going to say suspicious minds as well. I yeah. kind of asked the question just, so I can answer yeah, with suspicious minds. Kind of talking about greatest love yeah. songs, yeah, ever, oh, or great a, breakup songs, even that's just—it's yeah. a fantastic image, isn't it? Well, let's wrap it up for tonight, and once again go through the five songs we talked about tonight, and we can each choose our favorite. Just to recap, the songs we talked about tonight were Lenny Kravitz with "Are You Gonna Go My Way," "Faith No More" with "Easy." Janet Jackson, That's the Way Love Goes, Snow's Informer, and UB40, I Can't Help Falling in Love With You. Tim Byron, what's your choice? I know it sounds funny, but it's easy. Like a Sunday morning. (laughs) Tim Clark? Yeah, I went with one of the covers. Guess which one? It's pretty easy. (laughs) 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 Casey, you're uh, a dilemma, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit, but I think um, I think Lenny Kravitz is going to get my vote this week. Yeah, I would. I, it was a toss up between Lenny and Faith No More for me, and I think Faith No More wins uh, on on kind of on, on extra time. Back. Yeah, like that I like them more than Lenny Kravitz. So for me, anyway, it was a very very poor week. So do you reckon? No, no, yeah, no that was me. pretty strong one. No, I, I, I thought it was a, a, a really good week this week. I had three songs that I really, really solidly liked and a couple that I could nicely hang on. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> what more could you ask for in life? Um, well, we'll be back next week with another five songs. And Casey, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Uh, of course. Um, find us on uh, Facebook, which really trying to ramp up the Facebook thing. Um, the blog on Tumblr. You can email us at Gmail and also find us on Twitter as well. We are 90% hits, um, percent spelled out in words in all instances. So, so please leave us a comment on iTunes. Uh, getting the, um, the comments there and, like, and giving us ratings um, gives us more prominence in iTunes. We want to take over the world. 
Uh, the other thing is if you want to um, tell us about your thoughts on these songs, um, you can leave comments on the Tumblr blog. We've got like a discus comment section thing and we've got some great comments from people so far. And so if you've got thoughts on these songs, you can find the um, the, the post about the song that we make and um, tell us what you think about the song too. We're interested to find out what other people think about these songs because we're, um, uh, you know, if you decide, if you are just horrified by how much we hate UB40, tell us about it and tell us just, you know, um, how much of idiots we are because we love that stuff as well. And we can laugh at you or you can laugh at Alex us. Alex Campbell is logging on as we speak. <laughs> yes. That Google alert. Uh, <laughs> Tim is right. We, we, we love the feedback and we read every word that we get. So thank you for anyone who's bothered to give us a comment. Um, that's it for this week. Join us next week when we talk about another five songs. Thanks for listening. I was born long ago. I am the chosen. I'm the one. I have come to save the day, and I won't leave until I'm done. Oh, God, I hope that sinks. Um, <laughs> <It was. laughs>